You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the newsroom to you live. I'm Robin Gavon, senior critic here, senior critic at large here at The Post, and thank you for joining me. My guest today is the president of the Las Vegas Raiders, Sandra Douglas Morgan. Sandra, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for the very warm welcome, Robin. It's truly a delight to, to be able to meet you and join you virtually for this wonderful series. Um, I just wanted to quickly open and say that, you know, there's certainly a cloud that's been hanging over the sporting world following the tragedy on the field um, this week. And I want to begin our conversation by sharing my prayers and well wishes for DeMar Hamlin and his family. Um, his life and well-being are obviously much, much bigger than football. And the outpouring of love and support we've seen from across the world reflects the true collective power of, of humans and of fans when we come together and uplift um, not only Damar and his family, but each other during these challenging moments. And on behalf of Raider Nation and Mark Davis, and Coach McDaniels, and our entire uh, Raiders family, we're just praying for his swift and full recovery. Thank, thank you so much for, for starting with that. I mean, I think that um, you've captured the sentiment of so many people. And, you know, I, I wanted to ask you about that news and um, really to just get a sense of whether or not um, how you felt the the team, the league has handled this. I mean, I know there was some criticism about the the time that it took before the, that game was actually canceled on Monday. Um, and I'm just wondering how you feel about um, the way that it has been handled thus far. You know, obviously what, what happened was um, unprecedented. Um, to be, to happen actually on you know live television on on a Monday night game with so many people watching and I I think that the NFL and and the Bills and the Bengals handled um, it as, as well as could be expected considering the fact that it, it is something that hasn't happened before and I think it's a testament to the um, commitment obviously to the players health and safety that obviously the games were canceled not only for for Demar but also for the players that that witnessed this happen so um, I think they handled it incredibly well considering the circumstances. You know, my my colleague Candace Buckner has a, a really um, thoughtful column uh, today in which she sort of comments that this was, um, you know, a moment when obviously, you know, football, football fans paused and reflected. And she really raises an interesting question about the kind of language that the culture uses to talk about football specifically, um, you know, oftentimes quite hyperbolic language about, you know, every game being a battle, a war, um, you know, dire circumstances. You know, how do you think the, the league will move forward um, after this? I mean, do you think it will have an impact? And how do you sort of deal with also the timing of, of moving forward, of getting back on the field? You know, the league, and, and, and you, you've, you may have seen some comments about for that to happen, where it happened and when it happened was going to be one of the places where there were the most medical professionals and physicians and people that have been trained and and go through constant and up constant briefings and updates on the most up-to-date kind of medical practices and health and safety practices 
Um, you know, I am not on the football side, if you will. I kind of am the president of all the business operations, but I know that we have top-notch medical physicians and consultants, not only at the Raiders, um, but throughout the NFL. Um, with respect to the, the comments about um, the high, kind of hyperbolic comments that are made, look, these are all professional athletes, and that's well beyond football. Um, you know, they, they are um, competitive. And they're obviously games where winning does count and matter to be able to get to these championships. And so I don't think that type of rhetoric is, is limited to the NFL. I definitely think it's um, broad and, and would cover basketball, hockey, uh, volleyball, and, and every other sport as well. You know, I, I know that um, you are, um, you know, the, the wife of a former NFL player. You have kids who you have said love sports. Um, I mean, do you... Would you let them play football? Do do they play football? Yes, my well, my son did play football. Um, he chose not to this year by choice, but he he may decide to play football again next year. He's a teenager, and um, I think that well, I shouldn't say I think I know that the there's always constant improvement to ensure player safety, and I think the players that are playing today are are definitely in a better position again with physicians and technology um, to make the game as safe as possible. Well, I, I would love to talk a bit about your background. I mean, in many ways, you are uh, overprepared for this position. Uh, I mean, you could clearly have done uh, a multitude of things in the next uh, chapter of your career. Um, I'm curious, other than being a, a fan of the game, why did you want this job? It, there was definitely a personal element. You know, I'm a loss. I grew up in Las Vegas. I've lived here ever since I was two years old. Um, I've seen this city grow and transform into something that it simply wasn't when I was growing up. My my father retired at Nellis Air Force Base. That's how my family ended up in, in Las Vegas. Probably around 400,000 people um, when I was growing up now to over well over 2 million and welcoming obviously 40 million uh, visitors. And so I, I'm an attorney by trade, but obviously the gaming industry is incredibly important and has been um, to the state of Nevada and the city of Las Vegas. And so when the Raiders announced that they were contemplating even coming, um, I knew honestly being a, a wife of, a, of an NFL athlete as well, what types of economic development and opportunities of having a professional sports team, especially like the Raiders could do for Southern Nevada. So I was already a fan. But to now have the opportunity to lead um, this team and after meeting Mark Davis and getting to know more about him and his and him, him being able to and be willing to kind of recount stories about his father and the Raiders legacy, um, I knew this, this was going to be a great fit for me because of their commitment, not only to equity and inclusion, but also to the community. Uh, so it was it, it was almost like a. Um, I, I never say it was a dream come true because growing up in Las Vegas, it wasn't even a dream of mine because we did not have professional sports due to concerns about gambling. Uh, but it, it is a place I can tell you that I would I would never rather be anywhere else. It's been an incredible opportunity for me to kind of understand and learn from those at the Raiders, not just the history, but the sports industry and how that industry is growing and changing and bring my, bringing my skill set, not only in law, but from the entertainment industry and just general business and, and management as well. It's been, it's been a, a wild ride <laughs> last five months, but it's, it's been great and incredible. And I'm really thankful for the people here. Well, I also understand that um, you also had an interest in journalism and that Connie Chong was uh, a bit of an idol of yours. So out of somewhat selfish uh, a desire, I, I'm curious if there's anything about that interest that uh, informs uh, the work that you do today. 
you know, I think being able to see a woman, um, a woman of color in such a esteemed position, knowing that when I was a child, there wasn't obviously a lot of cable news and we watched, we, we ate dinner wherever we were and we watched Connie Chung and my mother um, is a Korean American and just said, you know what? She is respected. Um, she speaks, you know, she speaks well, she is educated and millions of people listen to her every night to be informed. And so being that conduit, I think, from, you know, knowing news around the world and going into people's homes and reaching people of all different backgrounds, you know, was something that my mother obviously had a lot of great proud um, pride in and impressed upon my sister and I to do that. It's funny, my sister actually also, um, she actually majored, though, in technical journalism, and, and now she's a professor at Columbia uh, University. So I think we both listened to our mother, wanted to make her proud, as, as many uh, children do, but ended up kind of going on different paths. And I won't say that that reflects in any way on journalism that both of you decided not to go down that road. (laughs) I took a constitutional law class in undergrad and, um, you know, we, we... in college, we, we all take courses maybe that doesn't really strike a passion, but I remember taking that class and I thought, okay, this is something I definitely want to learn more about and um, wanted to dig in a little bit further. And that's when I decided to go to law school. Well, I mean, at this point, you're, you're one of, uh, there's are only two other women who are um, currently team presidents. One, uh, the Carolina Panthers, and the other, um, uh, Buffalo Bills. I mean, how have you uh, navigated? I mean, what do you feel your responsibilities really are um, being in this overwhelmingly male-dominated field? Well, first and foremost, it's my responsibility within the organization um, to show leadership and be able to give support to the wonderful employees in the Raiders organization, men and women, um, black and white and everything in between. That's important. Uh, Christy Coleman and I, I, uh, really have enjoyed talking to her and I'm looking forward to getting to know her better. You know, we've often, um, shared some kind of stories and comments about our different journeys to get to where we are. Uh, she's an incredible person, incredible leader as well. And I know she and has I should just interject that she's with the Carolina Panthers. She's with the Carolina Panthers, yes. Um, and, um, you know, we, uh, it's, it's interesting at my first owners meeting with the NFL, you kind of spot each other from across the room. And she's been so incredibly gracious uh, welcoming me, as well as many, many other presidents. But obviously, Christy and I, um, you know, have that, uh, have that bond being, you know, two female presidents um, as well. Uh, you know, it, there's a responsibility, I think, not only within the organization, but also externally. And I've personally had to kind of push myself to realize that you know those Connie Chung moments for me as a child, um, you know, could be someone's moments for so, for another little girl or a teenager, or even maybe an adult woman, seeing me in the position that I'm in now, and and realizing that you know people do it's it's helpful to see someone in that position to know this is an opportunity, this is a possibility for me, and so I of course want to um, always hold not only myself but the Raiders to a very high standard uh, to make sure that we are being great, not only role models, but you know, other people that, that children and, and people can look up to and know that they're proud to be affiliated with this organization. Yeah, and, and in the same way that you, know, you mentioned that you admired Connie Chung, but you didn't necessarily you know, go into uh, broadcast journalism, I mean, do you see your um, groundbreaking uh, position there as being something that um, could connect with young people regardless of their interest in football or regardless of their interest in sports. 
Absolutely. I think it just comes down to leadership and being able to try something maybe that hasn't necessarily been done in the past. You know, um, it was probably my first or second week with the Raiders, and I'm still even you know, learning people's names within the organization and what everyone's roles are. And we had an event at the stadium and it was for some of our season ticket holders. And there was a, a gentleman there with his wife and his two children. He said he was a season ticket holder back in the in Oakland and came to Las Vegas. And he said, you know, he always brings the family around. But for the first time, his daughter said, hey, I can be the president and my brother can play for the team. And both of his, you know, his he and his wife kind of just stopped. And he let me know that was something you know, that really resonated with him, that, you know, he, they knew that they were lifelong Raider fans, but now it was something that kind of brought their daughter along. And it was honestly something that um, made me really just kind of stop and really reflect on the importance, not only of, you know, Mark Davis putting his entrusted in me to have this position, but how it would have an impact, hopefully a positive impact on women, girls, and, and everyone, even fathers, brothers, and uncles, um, you know, to, to allow women to be able to see that there's so much more possibility than maybe in those positions and roles that we've traditionally had in the past. I mean, one of the, the big issues that um, has been part of the conversation, uh, particularly within sports, is the issue of uh, equal pay, pay equity. I mean, how are you thinking about what should happen next in regards to, to pay equity? And just sort of on a personal note, I'm curious about how you thought about that issue when you were yourself stepping into this role and, um, you know, were, again, you know, breaking new ground. It's important that everyone, but especially women, um, take the position to be able to advocate for themselves and know their worth and know that the value that they bring in or into organizations and be able to speak confidently about what they're doing to improve these organizations. Because we've all done it all the time, but it's about advocating for yourself and letting people and in, in your in your um, your supervisors or your company CEOs or presidents know, again, the value that you're bringing to the organization. But I have been lucky, honestly, to be a part of an organization that knows the value of pay equity. You know, I, I, Mark Davis is the, is the owner of the Raiders and his family has owned the Raiders for a very long time. And he has been very public, not just with respect to the Raiders, because he owns the Las Vegas Aces, um, kind of making groundbreaking statements about, you know, making sure that the Aces head coach is, is paid appropriately and that their players are as well. And um, that may have been received, you know, different ways, depending on who you are. But he has not been shy about saying those comments. And so I have not had to deal with those struggles internally at the Raiders because I have an owner um, and we have an owner at the Raiders that believes that pay equity is incredibly important. For me, as I as I've kind of gone, th gone through my professional journey, um, you know, it's been about being, you know, d direct, respectful, but direct into what value I bring in the organization. And so if someone had a position before me, I would say, you know, I need to be paid at or more um, than that person or have the same kind of or similar benefit packages, um, obviously, that would kind of conform to my skill set and, and the responsibilities and duties that I would bring to the organization. So pay equity for me is it's clear. And also, I think the benefit of being in Las Vegas um, has made it not as um most of the population in the in the gaming industry are covered under collective bargaining agreements. And we have great laws here in Nevada with regard to pay equity and um, employment laws in Nevada. And so, you know, for us, uh, because a lot of the um, positions here are covered that way, I, I think we're a little bit ahead of maybe of, of than other jurisdictions with respect to pay equity. 
Are there still things that the, the industry can learn from, for example, uh, the gains that uh, women have made in, um, in women's soccer? I think there's always room for people to learn. I mean, we're going to constantly have to evolve and we as people need to be open to know that, that you know, there's no point in time where anyone is going to know it all. I have been very open with the team here and saying, you know, for our game day experience, people, they're incredibly talented. They have everything broken down to the second. I've never done that before, but I know I'm going to trust and learn even on people who work for me. Right. We're all working on the same team. We're all working to make sure that the Raiders are going to be the best um, team in the National Football League. And so we have to lean on people and, and clearly um, want to learn and adapt and learn new things, whether it be technological advances or new um, fan engagement opportunities but we, we or, or learning more about pay equity and, and the benefits that it brings to teams and to communities and fans. Uh, I'm, I'm always going to have an open door uh, to my team and my employees and encourage them to bring recommendations and best practices. But we as people have to be open to learn and try new things and see what's benefiting our fan and our fan engagements and our communities as a whole. I mean, you mentioned uh, the the Raider fans, and they have a a long, somewhat complicated history. And just recently, uh, there was a video of a particularly aggressive uh, Raider fan um, heckling uh, a Patriots fan. And you you responded to uh, that Patriots fan. You stepped in and and reached out to that person. I mean, why was it? Why was that important for you to do? And you know, what did you think when you saw that Raiders fans' passion turn a bit toxic? Yeah. You know, Robin, we're in a, as you know, we're in a day and age where anything can be taped at any time. And at Allegiant Stadium, we really pride ourselves on having um, one, a, a voice that there's always a voice of the fan survey, and we want to be the best with respect to customer service, whether it be to ingress, egress, food and beverage, and, and the entire stadium experience. And part of that obviously includes being in a fun, um, you know, yes, competitive and passionate environment. That's what that's what we're here to provide the fans, um, along with a, obviously a, a great um, football experience as well. And the post that went viral on social was a snapshot in time um, of an interaction between fans. And we obviously have cameras and footage of, of everything. But what I saw when I saw that snapshot um, was someone who had an incredibly calm, being calm and, and composed and a fan that, you know, violated someone else's personal space, if you will. And so we all have, and I'm sure every other stadium does, but we definitely do it at Allegiant Stadium, a fan code of conduct and a, um, a, a policy on how people need to conduct themselves. And that's reminded when you receive um, emails with regard to how um, you can kind of enter Allegiant Stadium, what the expectations are, you know, that goes with the limitations of the bags and different things you can bring in. And there's always going to be a fan code of conduct. And so when I saw that, um, that video, I just wanted to ensure that people knew that Allegiant Stadium is going to be a fun and exciting place to go, uh, that you can kind of still be able to enjoy your personal space, um, enjoy a game. Fans do get fun and, and rowdy and passionate, and we welcome up, of course, in Las Vegas, fans from all over the world uh, to enjoy the, the great amenities at the stadium. But I just felt that it was important that, you know, one, people knew that this wasn't going to be his last experience at the stadium and that I was aware of, of the conduct that took place. Uh, that that last part, the fact that you wanted people to know that you were aware, I mean, that 
also seems to be of a piece with something that you said that you you like to do uh, on a regular basis, which is to just walk the stadium and greet the staff from you know your closest uh, assistants and advisors to uh, the janitorial staff. Like, why is that sort of symbolic uh, walkthrough important? I don't even know if it's necessarily symbolic. For me personally, it's just the right thing to do. And it's not just at the stadium, but it's at our headquarters as well. You know, we um, employ thousands of, of people, um, whether it be part-timers for game day or events and concerts. And I think it's important for people to see, well, let me, let me rephrase that. It's important to me that people who work for the Raiders organization understand that I am available, accessible and, and around and see them and value them for the work that they're doing every day to make this organization the best organization in the world. As I was coming up in my career, that was something that I valued. Um, I, I have, you know, we've all had different uh, supervisors or employers uh, with different uh, character traits. And I always said that there was no such thing as a good boss or a bad boss, but someone that you could either learn from. You could learn from by saying that's a trait that I want when I get to a certain position to emulate or that I would never treat people that I work with that way. So for me, also in this position, I'm still getting to know people. But even when I we're in an organization where there's there are a lot of people that work here, but it's not enough. So many that I don't that I won't be able to learn everyone's name and and know and know and understand a little bit about them. Um, this is a you've heard. Well, Mark Davis has said this is a it's a family. It's a it's a tough family. That <laughs> is a tough business um, with a lot of passionate fans and a lot of passionate people. Um, but we have to get to know each other, and I think when you get to know each other you'll show a little more grace and respect for each other. And I think that overall creates a better work environment. I mean, you came into the, the Raiders business at a time uh, in the aftermath of, of a bit of tumult um, uh, and turnover. And, and also just within uh, the industry uh, more broadly, I mean, there have been issues related to um, sort of toxic masculinity and sexism, racism, all these different things. I mean, how are you um, working through uh, those issues? And I'm curious if you think that there is something particular to the football culture that cultivates some of these negative um, attitudes, or if it's just football is part of the broader culture, and so it's all there. You know, Robin, that is um, that that is an interesting question. I knew coming in, and I was very open um, when I was announced to be the president of the Raiders that I knew coming in that there were going to be challenges within the organization, and I wouldn't have accepted the position if it wasn't for uh, Mark Davis's really just open and honest statement to me saying if there's if there's an issue here we're going to fix it and being able to have that support was incredibly important for me to even take the position i've been an attorney for 20 years i have um, led us um i was the city attorney for a city that unfortunately almost had a foreclosure on every block during the recession and had to make some really difficult decisions including negotiating with police and fire and um, teamsters unions to make sure that we could get to a point to provide basic services to the city police and fire and even some other industries, very male dominated, correct? <laughs> so that was a difficult um, negotiation, but we got through to do what was best 
again, for the city. I Before I came over to the Raiders, I was the chair of the Gaming Control Board and had um, a lot of wonderful goals and people to make sure that the, the gaming industry was going to continue to be able to modernize, to attract uh, new customers. And then the pandemic hit. And we had to close um, our doors to 40 million visitors from across the globe in a very, very short time frame, and also reopen them um, in, in a safe way where people knew that they could come to Las Vegas and Nevada and still have that same hospitality experience. Again, a challenging um, environment and also with gaming being very male dominated as well. And so what I learned from those experiences is I think it's important to be an open and honest leader. I think that women in this in these positions have an opportunity to be true ethical catalysts to saying, look, we can do a good job. We can have fun on game days or in the gaming floor and and make sure that we're building that excitement and also treat people with dignity and respect um, at the at the when I was chair of the gaming control board. We also passed regulations that um, would ensure that gaming licensees would could have their license and be subject to discipline if there were any type of um, discrimination, whether it be racial, gender, um, sexual identity, or gender identity, um, orientation, or religion. And I think that was really important because the gaming industry, similar to the sports industry, has fans and customers of every single background and also employees as well. And so when I moved into this position at the Raiders, I yes, I knew there were challenges, but I do think that with football, we see, um, the young men on the field that are that are you know obviously competing at the highest level to to win a game the people behind the scenes whether it be behind the scenes on the football side or in business operations also are from every single background and i am really proud of, of the amount of women that we have at the raiders not only in leadership levels but throughout the organization so it's important to make sure that we are going to hold everyone accountable not only to comply with policies and best practices but also treating people with dignity and respect and that is something that um, I that I plan to bring to the Raiders and continue to kind of just reinforce uh, with everyone that I interact with here. When when you say to, to hold accountable, what does that mean to you? That we are going to do our jobs, um, and whether it be as someone in game day entertainment or someone in finance or human resources or on the. Um, in our Raider Image retail stores and to do it effectively and to be able to continue to perform at very high levels to make sure that we're making the Raiders organization and our shields very proud, but doing so in a way that would not obviously violate um, any laws or policies that we have at the Raiders and, and holding people to a very to a higher standard, but making sure that if they're not, it's my, ultimately my, my responsibility to hold people accountable. But if they're not performing and treating other people with respect and making sure that they're representing the Raiders or in the proper way, then, you know, obviously that there will be consequences. Well, we only have a, a couple minutes left, and I thought we could end with uh, a question from uh, our audience. And it's from Christopher Nelson, and uh, who's from Maryland, who would like to know what is the best piece of management advice that you've ever received? to listen. It's incredibly important to listen to the people around you. I think when you get um, to management, it's easy um, to just only, obviously we base our decisions based on our own prior lived experiences and things that we've you know either seen or kind of learned from other people, but it's really important, I think, to listen to the people that you are leading. Um, they're the ones that are really on the ground doing the work every day and seeing the changes and getting the responses, whether it be from customers or from their colleagues. Uh, so for me, it's really important to listen and to be decisive.
I'm, I'm curious, do you recall who gave you that advice? It almost sounds um, somewhat parental. I think it was my it was my first firm uh, partner at my first firm and said we have two ears and one mouth for a reason. Uh, <laughs> it, it was really in the context of also you know when you're when you're advocating for your client and and you know whether it be a deposition or just working with other people you know to you're you're so focused on what you want to say and what message you want to get out that you have to listen to the people that you're talking to to see how they will will receive that message. Um, so that was great advice from him. Well, I, I think that's a perfect note to end on. And uh, I would just like to say thank you so much, Sandra Douglas Morgan, for joining us today. And to thank you all for uh, joining us as well. Thanks for listening. For more information on our upcoming programs, go to WashingtonPostLive.com.